Welcome to episode four of Humans of UNDP, a podcast where we get to know fellow colleagues and where we explore how we connect and communicate in the digital age. Today, co-producer Oscar Durand and I are back in Copenhagen with Aitor Rubio. Hi, Elise. Hello. Hey, I'm here with Oscar. Hello, Aitor. Hi, Oscar. How are you? Fine. We've missed you. Where are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm right in Copenhagen in a windy, in the windy city. You know what? It's so windy here today too. Oh, oh my! What a day! As a JPO service officer, recruiting the top young talent to the UN today, part of Ito's job is not just finding people, but seeing them and their potential. Once we learned more about his background, we could really appreciate why he's able to see the best in people to value their potential. My background is not in communication, it's in law, but I've also worked all my life. My first working experience of all time, age 16, you know, like working in a big hospital, in the morgue, you know, like just taking people from, you know, big bridges and putting them in coffins. That was my, that was my <laughs> first work, to go from dealing with the dead to working now at the UN. I've done a lot. <laughs> so it's been, it's been, it's been, and 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 what a, what a, when it comes to communicating, when I work there, you know, in the hospital, because I did work there for like four years, four summers, you know, while I finished high school, you know, like in, during the summer holidays to get some money, I used to work there. But the people that I had to work with, these people, people not very cultivated, people most cases illiterate, but they were awesome. Awesome, and all the you you you, you manage how to to measure you, the way you communicate, so you can reach you know these people too, no, and you can interact with them. So you you, you learn. Basically, my point is, you learn from everybody in all in all parts of life, and that's what is amazing about being working in this in this field. Aitor has come a long way. Communications were different when he started working. I mean, in the old days, I mean it was. I mean, first, the communication was one direction. I mean, at the beginning, what you're more afraid of is is how things can scale, you know, and also the, the, the speed of how things happen. Because way back then, you know, in a, in a non-digital world, I mean, you, you had time, you know, to, uh, to do things. So in the very best case, 24 hours passed between the moment you write something to the moment that thing is published. And people start, you know, like seeing it. Nowadays, it's less than a, you know, like a, a fraction of a second. What I'm communicating right now is gonna be out there in, in a question of a click. So that's that's pretty scary. You need to know very well, you know, what you're communicating, who you are, and what type of message, you know, you wanna send out there. Given his experiences, it's fair to say Aitor can adapt to just about any situation which is an especially important skill for anyone communicating in today's digital world. Where and how we reach our audience is constantly shifting. The struggle is real. You know, the last time we talked, um, you mentioned that your biggest challenge at work really comes down to communication. Uh, like, for instance, digitally connecting with the audience that you haven't met. Mm-hmm. Has that changed or could you kind of catch us up on how you're thinking about that right now? Like how to how to get my message through. In my particular case here at the JPO Service Center, what we're trying to communicate or what we're trying to attract is a very specific group of people, you know, which is our main target audience is these young, talented people that we want 
first to know the brand, to know UNDP, and second to apply for the JPO program. And third is like once if they really enjoy the experience, I mean, these people maybe make a career within the UN. So that's our threefold goal when it comes to get your message through to this specific audience is challenging in the way of you have to have, you know, very clear, you know, first, you know, who you are and how you communicate who you are. Secondly, you know, know, you know, what this target audience in the different communication outlets are looking for, what type of information, what type of themes are they interested in. And third, you know, like create content that is original and is engaging. For a person who grew up in an analog world, this sometimes can be challenging, but Aito is doing just fine. For example, what it makes my day is when we're doing like an interview process and you select somebody for one of these JPO vacancies and will you ask the person, how do you hear to apply for this position? It's like, I saw it on LinkedIn. I saw it on your Twitter account. I saw it on your Facebook. Then, you know, the circle is closed and you feel great because you accomplished something. That's what we're trying to, to do. When it comes to posting content, one of the ways Aitor tries to attract his audience is through storytelling. That's one of the most difficult things and it's to be and to sound real 100%, to be authentic in the way you communicate and to do so is very complicated because there's always, you know, like many things that you have to balance between, you know, if you use like more casual language instead of a more corporate one. Well, it depends, you know, of the channel you use. If your channel is a company, you know, corporate one, maybe you cannot use, you know, fully, you know, the language that is spoken, you know, in the street, you know, like by your target audience when they interact with each other, you know, like in my case, talking about, you know, becoming a JPO is used a lot of user content it's like content created by our target audiences making you know like people who have been part of the program talk about their experience that makes it more real but even if Aitor comes off as real he's still got his work cut out for him given that his target audience are young people who are exposed to messages on social media all day long he knows his message has to appeal to people in a way that uniquely resonates with them my niche of people that I want to reach is very limited. And with that limitation, there's other, you know, like global companies that are also recruiting using the exact same channels that I'm using. And maybe in some cases also having more resources, you know, to create, you know, more uh, content to invest more in digital assets that I do. So I have to be more creative in a way of trying to talk to the to the core to the heart of my audience and it's like uh yeah besides all the noise that you hear if you want to change the world if you really want to work in the world of development if you want to have an impact please join us my goal is to really communicate you know the essence of what is to work for UNDP and what is to work for in the world of development and how to to connect and say if you want to change the world if you want to be in the in, in what is that what is gonna be the ultimate battle you know <laughs> join us because we work in climate we work in environment we work in resilience I would like to, to to have all the talent be working on to fix you know the big challenges we're gonna face as uh, humanity as, as the 
That's planning, you know? And so it's all balance. Creating content that catches the eye, has substance, and really taps into people's inner worlds. How they see themselves, UNDP, and the future of this planet. It's a lot to think about. So much so that it can be paralyzing. You can endlessly nitpick your posts or get sidetracked by the analytics and think you're not doing enough. So we asked Leiter, what makes a post feel successful to him? What advice would he give his colleagues? When I create, I craft a message and I put it out there and I'm happy with it and I have a big smile on my face. I would like, you know, to, to be able, you know, to put that smile in the message. It's like, yes, I'm sending this out there with a big smile. And I want you guys, you know, to capture that smile and keep it and see it and feel it. That's what I always tell my wife, you know, about my kids. You know, my, my goal is to to make them smile, you know, like uh, as long as they live with me, you know, like to make them smile. I mean, just a smile. I mean, it's like when you look at somebody and you get that immediate smile. I mean, it's, it's what it makes your day. I thought gets it. We may be communicating in a digital world where there's this inherent separation between us and the seemingly anonymous audience. But there are ways to bridge the gap. Our audience may be faceless, but when connecting with them, you cannot lose sight of their humanity and the simple pleasures of life that we all share. So, one more question when you go home tonight after this. What are you making for dinner? What's for dinner tonight? Uh, tonight, uh, I think I'm going to do green peas with uh, ham. Uh, I guess, you know, like, uh, I boil them, you know, then I, I put them in a pan with a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of onion. First I fry the onion, then I put the, fry the bacon or ham, whatever I have. You know, then I put the peas and then I mix everything together and that's it. And then I put an, a fried egg on top. Mm. So is it rude to invite ourselves over for dinner? <laughs> and this is, and this is, and this is on a work day. You should see, you know, what we cook, you know, when we have more time. Because, I mean, for us, when you come from uh, from Spain or from the Mediterranean, for us, you know, the table and uh, the kitchen is the most important room in the house. You know, because it's where, where the conversation happens, where the food is, where, the, you know, like, the smile are. Before, in way back then, you know, in, in Spanish, there's a word, hogar, that is, is related to the fire, the fire that used to be, you know, in the center of the kitchen, where people used to sit all together, you know, to cook and to chat, because there was the only warm room in the house. So that, in the 21st century, has evolved to, you know, like, if you go to a Spanish house, you know, if you look for the people, where's the people? They're not going to be in the living room. They're going to be in the kitchen. <laughs> Most of the time, they're going to be there because somebody's going to be cooking and somebody's going to be opening the wine and somebody's going to be, you know, like talking. So that's the place for us, you know, conversation, food plus, you know, wine becomes all in one. Cheers. Cheers to that. Stay tuned for the next episode of Humans of UNDP where we will go back to visit Marli Tinak in Iraq. This episode of Humans of UNDP is produced by Oscar Durand and myself. Our theme music is by Lemon Gua. Additional music by Chris Zabriskie and Tynas. Sound designed by myself. Special thanks to Aitha Rubio for sharing his time, story, and sounds with us. 
To listen and subscribe, go to wherever you find your podcasts or digitalnow.undp.org. I'm Elise Blennerhasek. Stay with us.